We're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. I'm going to uh, begin in verse 7, read to verse 13, uh, and really only focus on verses 10 uh, through 13. Uh, So hear the word of the Lord. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart, over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Father, we do pray now as we open your word that you would speak uh, through your servant. Uh, we, we pray, Lord, that you would help us see your glory even more uh, as we think on what we have been called to uh, bear witness to uh, for those watching around. Lord, so bless this time. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, one of the things I read in, in the study for this message was uh, a quote that the, the Apostle Paul um, was a martyr for the cause of Christian reunion. He was a martyr for the cause of Christian reunion. Really what you see here, in the, really at the end of this book, that Paul was in prison, and he was in prison to preach the message of the gospel, preach the message of the mystery of the gospel, which is Jew and Gentile coming together as one uh, body. And really what he did, he, he laid down his life for this great cause. Um, uh, so when we think about what we're doing week in and week out, uh, we have the great privilege uh, to display the manifold wisdom of God. So look at verse 10. Really kind of maybe pick it up in verse 8. Paul says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So he's talking about he's bringing this gospel to bear. Then in verse 10, so that the purpose, why is he preaching the gospel? Why is he giving his life for the cause of this gospel? So that the purpose through the church through the assembly, through the ecclesia, the called out ones. So when we gather people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, we get the privilege to display the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So first, I think we want to think about we, we get to display the wisdom of God is displayed. This happens when people like the Jews and the Gentiles in the first century come together as a family. Those who were once uh, divided because of uh, history, divided because of ethnicity, divided because of many things, they are now made one in Christ. Beloved, that's what we do every single week, right? I wish that uh, the, the American church would really lift up the importance of the gathering of the local body. I think that we would, as Christians, I think that we would just meditate and look deeply in to what happens when the church lives and functions as the church, when we are a healthy, unified body. What it does, it displays the, 
the, the many forms of wisdom of God to those who are watching when different come together as one. And the, the beauty of that is I get to witness this all the time in the life of our body. I think over this past week, I've just been encouraged in multiple ways how our church is being united and drawn together. Uh, for maybe about two months ago, I started realizing in the life of our body that we were not doing hospitality well. Um, I think partly what was happening is that as our church started to grow, we started to insulate ourselves a little bit, right? Because you only have so much bandwidth for relationships, do you not, right? So people are coming to the church, and when, when there's more people coming to the church, sometimes you feel a little bit unsettled with that. So you kind of want to grab on to those uh, who, are, who are closest to you, right? I want to spend more time with these people that, that I know that I know well. But I think what, what over the last several months, we've talked a lot about hospitality, we've been praying a lot about it as elders and as deacons. And what I've seen happen, and really from, from, our, from our leaders all the way down, is there's, a, there's been more of an openness for people bringing in to their homes and in, in their lives. Their hospitality, I think, is growing. And this is, this, this, is, this is the challenge of the church, right? Is that we only have so much capacity for relationships, and yet God wants you to really know people, right? And I just have seen that more and more in the life of the body. I've seen our, our, our people serve each other in such unique and profound ways. Even listening to our testimonies on Sunday night, just think back of the testimonies of what they say of how the, the love of this body, how the, 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 the genuine love and care for one another and, and getting opportunities to have a lot of, lots of member I- interviews in recent days and just hearing the same thing. Uh, man, they said, this church just is genuine. They love each other. Now, granted, we don't do that perfectly, right? We have some areas to grow. But what I think that I'm seeing in terms of the witness that, that people are experiencing when they come into the body is they see the manifold wisdom of God, right? They see the power of the gospel lived out among its people, right? When we are loving each other in a deep and profound way. Now, beloved, we can grow more and more in this, right? Because we don't want to just be kind and genuine when we, when we see each other. We want to, in terms of our, our joys and sharing all the, the glorious things going on in our lives, I think we can go even deeper in sharing our struggles and our pains and our, and our sins. That's just something that we, we ha- I think we have struggled with generally. I think part of that is because you can't really always do that in, in a setting like this. When we have our time of prayer, sometimes it's hard to share those vulnerable things with everybody, but we need to pull people into our lives and be able to share those things uh, together. When we love well, what does it say? We display the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This now is referring to the time of of after Christ has has ascended and sent forth His Spirit. The, the Jews and Gentiles are now one. The, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is now one. People who are different are now one. When we do that well, we display the wisdom of God to who? It says here to the, the heavenly beings, right? Those in heavenly rulers and, and authorities in heavenly places. Paul mentions that in, in Ephesians chapter 6, referring to evil uh, angels, uh, most likely. But I don't think that's, that's that what he's referring to here. I think he's referring to the, the angels who long to look into the things of God. Uh, Peter says this, that, in, in, that the angels long to look into this salvation that we inherit, right? 1 Peter chapter 1. They, they want to know what we, what we know, the redemption that we have in Christ. And, and when we have this, these people who are individually bought with the blood of Christ, believing that Jesus Christ died for us and that he rose for us, that he ascended for us, and he's coming back for us, we individually believe that and we corporately come together as a family. We 
radiate the wisdom of God to the, to the heavenly beings. Think about this privilege, beloved. Every time you love one of your fellow saints well, whether that's with a, with a, a card, whether that's with when you're tired and you choose not to stay home, but you choose to come to this gathering, whether you, you have that moment in the back of the, the church after service is over and all you want to do is leave or, or fake like you're looking at your phone so you don't have to talk to anybody, when you put your phone in your pocket and you look at someone awkwardly engaging in their life, you know what you're doing? The angels are rejoicing in that. Right now, the, the, the angels in heaven are, are, are watching us they are looking at us, worship the Lord together. You know, I think that the, the, the angels are, are watching, and I guess we have to continue to ask ourselves, does the world see our love? When people enter our, our, our body, when they see us interact with one another, do they see the manifold wisdom of God, right? This is one of the things we always have to kind of push against, the natural flow of the world. And like attracts like. Right? I'm going to be around those people who are, who are like me or who, are, who share the same things with me. Beloved, that is the world. right? The world can see that. But when you have people who are different and yet they're one, that's very, very different from the world. That's when you see the manifold wisdom of God. Now, how is this wisdom of, of God displayed? Well, how is it brought forth? Verse 11, this was according, this wisdom of God, the church, was according to the eternal purpose that God the Father has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, we know this was an eternal plan. God's purposes are, are never thwarted. Anything that God wants to see done, it will happen. Uh, before the foundation of the world, you were adopted as his sons in Christ Jesus. I mean, just think about that. When it says sons, that is not a slight on you ladies. That What that means is that you were adopted with the full rights of the firstborn. You have the inheritance of the firstborn son. That is a glorious thing. Before the foundation of the world, before you committed any sins, and even with all the sins in your life, the Lord chose you to be his. Is that not a glorious thing? And this is because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to us. He came to rescue us from the domain of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of the beloved Son. He came to say, you belong to me, because everyone uh, that has been given to the Son, um, the Son keeps forever. Look at what the text says. This is according to the, the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is not just gospel facts. This is a personal God. He is our Lord. He saved us. He is our Savior. You know, sometimes we can question our lives. We can question what we're doing. We can question where we're going. But God knows what's happening in our lives. God knows all your struggles. God knows all your pains. God knows all the, the missteps in your life. And God knows all the, the, the things that are coming down the pipeline. But you know what, he, what we also know is that God is using all that for his purposes. To glorify himself primarily and to build us into the image of Christ. And his plans can never be thwarted, ever, ever. Which means this, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing, absolutely nothing in all this world can keep you from him, can take you from him. That 
is glorious. And that displays his wisdom, not us, right? Because he's the one who saves us. He's the one who keeps us. So what should we do? Verse 12, in whom, Jesus Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. God gives us access so when we can now approach God. You know, it's amazing when you read through the Old Testament, how many times do you see how afraid the people of God and the, the surrounding nations are of Yahweh? They don't, they, want, they don't want to stand in His presence. Who can stand in the presence of the Almighty God? No one. People run. Even, even we just went, went through Exodus. When, when Moses was on the mountain, Moses, you go. We, 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 don't want, we don't want anything to do with God. We are afraid of Him because of His power. You see this time and time again. You know, fear when it comes to thinking about Yahweh. Who could stand in the presence of God? We can. And we have no right to, right? Think about all the sins we've committed. We are sinners and we get to stand in the presence of a holy God. How? How can we stand in the presence of a holy God? Well, because we're not alone. We have Jesus Christ, our advocate, who stands right before us. So God only sees us through his Son. So now we can boldly, with confidence, approach the Lord. And yet, how often when we struggle with sin, whether that sin is doubt or lust or greed or anger, when we have sin in our life or we have committed sin, what do we want to do? Hide. We don't want to go to God because there's a part of us deep down doesn't believe the gospel, doesn't believe that God will be gracious to us, that God has saved us and redeemed us, that we can't boldly go to Him because we are ashamed of our sin. And in the gospel, the Bible says that every sin has been paid for. It is as far as the east is from the west. It, it, is, it is sunk with a millstone deep into the, to the pit of the ocean. We are holy and forgiven so we can boldly come to the Lord with our sin because we come through Christ. That is something we have to train our minds again and again for. So friends, if you are living in sin or you're struggling with your prayer life, feeling like you can't go to God, can I plead with you today to, to run to Him? To know that you can boldly, with confidence, go to God? the Father, the holy, righteous God because of Christ who has delivered us from the wrath to come. I pray that we would know that. And this gospel is so glorious, Paul kind of ends it right here in verse 13. He says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. You know, Paul is, is this is a personal letter. Paul knows these people and he's giving them these great gospel truths, and he's writing these words by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a particular people in a particular time, reminding of them of the hope of the gospel, reminding them that they as Gentiles are not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, but Jews and Gentiles are one, right? That is the true Israel. That is the one that God has come to, to unite to, him, to himself. And then he kind of has this personal note, so I ask you not to lose heart. I'm sure there's some people there who are worried about Paul, well, God, why have you allowed Paul to deal with this? He is the one who led us to Christ. Uh, he is 
the minister, the apostle to the Gentiles? Why is this happening? And sometimes when you, when you see people going through trials, you, you hurt for them. And we see this even in, in, in maybe a marriage when one of the spouses is struggling with cancer. Um, it's usually sometimes it's not even the person who has the cancer who feels it the worst, but the person next to them, the one that they are walking with. I think this is what Paul is saying here. Listen, I know that you are, are worried about me. I know you love me. I know you care about me, but don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Press on. Continue to hold on to the gospel. Continue to, to carry the torch and the flame of, of Christ. For what I am suffering for you, and, and beloved, this is suffering. You know, sometimes when Paul was in, in jail, that it was kind of more like house arrest. Um, but there's other times when he was in jail, it was in a, in a more like a cave, a dark, cold cave with a chain around his leg. That's suffering. That's suffering. But Paul says, this is your glory. It's your glory because you have the gospel. You get to hear the gospel, the glorious gospel of Christ again and again. And Paul, as the minister of the Gentiles, is happy to suffer for the sake of others. I think this is an encouragement for us, is that um, we should be encouraged to press on in our own lives, but we should also be willing to lay things down for the sake of others. I mean, Paul says in, 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 in uh, just recently preached in Second uh, Timothy 2, right, that he did all things for the sake of the elect. I'm willing to suffer all things for the sake of the elect, for those to come to Christ. Suffering for others is not a bad thing. It's for their glory, right? And if people are saved from the clutches of darkness, from Satan himself, and they have been awakened to see the light of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that is for God's glory as well as theirs because all glory belongs ultimately to him. So I pray that when we think about this as a church, we think about the, the great task and the great mantle the Lord has given us, that he has called us to himself from his eternal purposes, um, we get to, to display this, this great and grand purpose in how we love one another. And every single time that we do, every single time that we don't lose heart, but we press on and we love each other, God gets glory. It's not just coming to church on a Wednesday night. It's not just coming to, to be here. Some of us I know are tired and don't want to be here. Hopefully by the end of the sermon you will still want to be here, right? But what, what, what happens? We, we know that because of our love, because we're here, we are displaying the manifold wisdom of God to those who are watching. And God is glorified. Let that be ever a reminder that we, we live for the glory of God. Father, help us uh, hold fast to your truth. Help us to remember the gospel and help us love one another well, that your wisdom may be displayed to all who see it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.